0: We are rolling now, counting us down three, two.
1: You're listening to Missing Out with Lex Michael and Tari J let's start the show
0: hello there welcome back to missing out i'm tari j i'm lex michael and if this is your first time listening what we do here is we introduce each other to different media whether it be movies music television spoken word experiences things that have built us up as people and we hope that in sharing those it builds you up we are the retrospective that's introspective.
2: Look at that. Like you did a character at the end. I did. You're you're really good at at intros, Tari J. You you executed that with military precision.
0: Ooh. You see what I did. I see what you're doing that there. That's really clever. Yeah. That's why I have
2: a podcast. <laughs>
0: That's um, called a
1: segue. <laughs> Hello.
2: <laughs>
0: um, yes. Uh, today we're talking about military life, and we brought in our good friend, Brian Andrews. You know him.
1: Hey, everybody. Uh, glad to sh- be back. Yeah. This glad is your, to have you back. This is what, your third time now? Third time. When yeah. do they get jackets? Five?
0: Five. Five. Five-timer jackets. Yeah. That's it's... why we have no one on for a fifth time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they have the one stapled to the wall, just to let you know. That do, they is exist. Jackets. Yeah. You just yeah. Like, keep chasing that carrot and stuff. No. Right.
0: Um, if the, if someone comes on for a fifth time, they have to come on under a different name. Like if they're trying to do, uh, un- non-union work, uh, on a union thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's right. That's right. You have to be like under an LLC or some sort of other corporate identity. Right. Yeah. It's, it makes sense. Yeah, I've been there before. Definitely. But I want my jacket. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, so, uh, why, are, why are we here? Why are we talking about this?
2: Well, so, uh, uh, Brian, yeah, stop, stop, stop me when I, when I make a mistake here. Okay. But, uh,
1: to the best of my knowledge, uh, you hold the rank of major in the United S- States Army. Soon. I'm in this weird purgatory state. Yeah, I know. Like I posted, so it amongst many things, the military, there's a lot of details, but so I was, I'm on the list for major. So they put out a list and says, hey, these are the people who are up for it. Now, I am waiting for my orders to get cut as, it, as uh, the form of speech, uh, cutting the orders that state you are promoted on this date. And a lot of the times it's, uh, you know, you get back pay where the orders say, you've been a major for two months and you didn't even know it. Surprise. And so, uh, so that's where I'm at right now. I'm on the list just waiting for the official word, the stamp, um, but yeah, so I'm captain promotable, if you will. So you're like the president elect. That's right. Yeah. So, Got it. Uh huh. I have to go to the White House tomorrow. Oh. Speak on things I know nothing about. I'm very excited.
0: It's gonna be great. <laughs> Par for the course. Oh, hey. hey. All right.
1: So you're in the limbo
2: phase between one rank, the rank of captain, and another rank, the rank of major. Mm-hmm. And you are, uh, as of this recording, about to go to Italy for a year to do work with the army. And so I figured this is a a cool opportunity potentially to get you in here and to talk about uh a subject that I find really fascinating that I feel like I've never really gone too deep in picking your brain about which is your experiences in the army the how's the what's the why's how you got involved why you got involved and sort of what the what the journey was like from signing up in the first place to uh becoming a major elect about to go uh, to Italy for a year to do work. Uh, I want to I track that. I want to go back to the beginning, if you will. I want to find out uh, the secret origin
1: of Brian Andrews, the military man. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well then, uh, so it's uh, been in the military for about 10 and a half years. So if at any point I'm uh, going on about something and you want to ask a question in the moment, by all means, stop me because there's uh, it's a little bit of a, a journey, if you will. So let's let's go all the way back to the beginning soft dissolve effect and uh that sweet production value yeah there it was the rain was pouring in uh, central illinois uh yeah (laughs) this is this is rain (laughs) you get the aluminum sheet (laughs) 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 kapow that's what it
2: sounded like yeah so what um, great content
1: so i was a sophomore in college i was uh in school with my brother we were roommates and uh I joined the ROTC program, Army ROTC. Freshman year, I was rooming with my brother, and he was in the ROTC program, so I just kind of saw on the fringes of what that was like. And ROTC stands for Reserve Officer Training Corps. And so that's basically, hey, we're going to train you to be an officer while you're in college. So you're doing everything you normally do with college. They're just slapping on a few extra hours of training, uh, you know, in the morning and the evenings. So I just watched him wake up at 5 a.m. to do PT, and I'd laugh and roll over and you're go like, back to that lis- looks fun. <laughs> yes, go back to listening to Say A Sin or Blink-182 with my <laughs> long emo hair. So, um, so then. Sophomore year, I said, you know I'm going to join uh, and get some tuition paid for. I did not want to join the military growing up. That was totally my brother's thing. Yeah. And I thought I wasn't made for that. That's, like, not my bag. So, I always – I liked to draw. I liked, uh, you know, um, the cartoons. I liked writing music. I just thought I was just a little more artsy than uh, than – those people, whatever perception I had, I had no idea, really. Right. Uh, but then, to my surprise, I joined uh, ROTC and fell in love with it. And I remember, uh, it, seriously, in the rain at uh, Camp Atterbury, I believe it was. We were doing a patrol, and all I had to do was lay down in the ground in the mud in the rain and like guard this part of the the road. It was like, all right, look for your, the, the left and right limits. So, uh, watch out for bad guys. There wasn't going to be any, but we were just doing a patrol and and I just was like, this is so cool. It's like, like I love left and right and yeah. I hate bad guys. This is perfect. <laughs> I love cones and I had a cone in front of me of influence. Yeah. So, um, but you know, it was with the right people I was I had great friends by that point in the, the group and it was just like the, this most diverse group of people that you could possibly work with and then have the same common goal and then go, oh, uh, I see, like, the leaders were the juniors and seniors. I was a sophomore, so I was basically just sponging, getting as much information as I could. But I could see myself, like, okay, I could see myself doing this as a junior, as a senior, and then I could see myself being in their shoes as a leader and doing that for at least four years after college because that's what you do. If you join, you do four years of active service and then four years of reserve service. There's a couple different contracts, but that's what I was looking ahead to. So uh, that was really when I like made the decision was just in the rain, in the mud, uh, because I was surrounded by other people who thought it was worth it too. And it gives you some clear purpose and direction.
2: Right. So like would you say that was the biggest thing? Because you say you fell in love with it, right? Like what was it about that experience beyond obviously the joy of knowing your left from your right and getting <laughs> to implement that knowledge? What what was it that that made you go Oh, I really can see myself doing this. This actually speaks to me in a way that I was not expecting
1: well yeah that, so that uh, that moment was during a three day exercise or a weekend exercise, so up to that point, you know I'd been in the program uh since the fall of two thousand six, my sophomore year and we would just done, you know, a Thursday night drill and be 2 hours of uh, getting in the uniform and uh doing a you know map reading or land navigation. But this is the first time you woke up and you went to bed uh you know doing soldier activities if you will. So no civilian clothes, you're shining your boots, you're uh training with weapons and you're doing what's known as hip pocket training which is like hey, uh offhand juniors and seniors just like sit down and by your bunk and teach you something really quick. So I was just doing that seeing what a whole day in the military kind of feels like and looks like. And uh, so that was the point that's most uh, that's, that was the point for most everybody, I think uh, was once we got out there in the field, away from distractions, like your phone or you know, your dorm mates or just like that lifestyle. And then once you in that lifestyle for a little bit, you go, okay uh, not only am I working with people I really enjoy, but there's clear purpose and direction and they uh, acknowledge and award uh, good work identify that and they also <laughs> hand out demerits for bad work so there's a it's like oh there's a standard here and that I, does sound a little magical yeah <laughs> it's it so there's a clarity there was a clarity to it all and um and while you're you know i was trying to get into different clubs i tried the student senate and uh it's so, like, okay, that's kind of, it, it, you're obviously serving your student body and everything, but there was the whole like election process where you had to go out there and try to sell yourself to people. And obviously, uh, in the military, you do, I had to prove myself worthy of being able to sign the dotted line and become an officer because that's a great privilege and responsibility. But it's, it was a very different feeling because the military says, all right, we're going to pick you up, we're going to put you here, and you're going to do this job and you got to do it well to do your next job. Right but there's no, nobody like trying to steal your job. Everybody has their place in the military. So there's a couple of things like that. And, uh, so the people, the responsibility, the left and right limits, the trust, and uh, acknowledging good performance, bad performance, and basically just making you do stuff you've never done before.
2: That right there, though, the the acknowledging good work and also acknowledging bad work, that alone, I'm ready to <laughs> sign up and whatnot because that is so... That is a tragically... If you're listening uh, and you've ever worked a job in your life, you you may have some appreciation for how tragically rare that can be. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, so that does... I could absolutely see uh, a certain appeal in that.
1: Yeah, and, and with that, there's... Uh... In the military, there's a counseling program that uh, every three months as an officer, I, I should be counseling my sergeants and uh, subordinates. And so it's there's actually a written document like this is what it looks like, and this is this is uh, where you get to talk about whether it's their physical, mental, uh, career-focused stuff. But it's ingrained in the culture to have that feedback loop and to have a after-action review after every operation. And everybody goes like, hey, we could have done this better. We should have done this better. And guess what you're not gonna get fired because you spoke up in that regard, and it's right. invited and it's um it improves everything so so that's when in college, I decided to sign It was February of two thousand and seven and uh by that point, I had two more years of college ahead of me. I was you know to finish up sophomore year and luckily. You know, uh, again, identifying good performance or like, hey, you care about this. We want to keep you as a form of retention. They let me go to airborne school that summer. Uh, So airborne school is three weeks at Fort Benning, Georgia, and you learn how to jump out of airplanes. And uh, so you get to be airborne status is what it's called. So there's airborne units where their specialty is being able to deploy to an environment through the means of airborne, so like literally the vehicles are falling out of the planes too, and every everything has to be uh, loaded up and dropped out of the sky. So
2: you're living the sequence in Furious Seven where all of their cars go out the back of the plane and land on the mountain.
1: That was our safety brief. Was as we were sitting there, with <laughs> everybody our,
2: just watch *Furious*. Yeah,
1: no, we didn't get. We, they didn't have a copy. They just asked us if we had, and you didn't want to be the one guy who'd said, "No, I haven't seen it yet." Can you act it out? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so what's it like? <laughs> Show me a picture. Um, but it, so to that point, about yes. uh, is is it just like that? Obviously, that's the thought going to the school is going okay i don't know what's going on i don't know what that looks like it's three weeks i don't know what those three weeks look like but uh by the third week when you're jumping out of the airplane the first week you're on the ground and you're just falling all you're doing is falling over and running a lot falling running and doing a lot of pull-ups
2: question why what what's the falling about
1: uh it is repetition so you learn how to fall well it's a very strange thing. So, I mean, so just
2: standing there and then just straight falling down?
1: Yeah, there's a there's a, uh, PLF is what it's called. So the proper landing fall. And they teach you how to roll your body. So you go from your feet to your ankles to your calves to your hip. To your buttocks to your back; and it's your points of contact, and it seems silly. But then you do it over and over again, and you get so bored. And uh, <laughs> it
2: makes sense, though. If there's one thing video games have taught me, it's that if you fall from a great height, but you roll right when you hit the ground, you will not sustain as much damage.
1: That's right. If you push the X button right at the right moment, do your combat roll. Right, of course. Uh huh. Um,
0: is it increasingly higher? Um, points that you're falling from.
1: Yeah, that, well, that's the thing. So you you <laughs> jump off the building, <laughs> kind of. So we, we you know you jump off of a block and like so you do, you do your grass drills or ground drills, jump off a block, and then by the end of the first week you're jumping out of a 33 foot tower. But the intent is to just get over the heights thing because apparently yeah. at that height that's when most people. Uh, their brains make them chicken out. So just getting over that. So okay, jump out. You're on a zip line and you just you go down the zip line. So you're not really practicing your fall technique on that one. So that's week one. Week two is is supposed to be the 250 foot tower, but that thing doesn't work very well. And that's just it's like one of those uh, rides where you go up on the rail system, they just drop you really yeah. quick. Same concept. We have the parachute. They pull you up and then they just drop you. And then you come down, and then you roll out of it. But there's a couple different apparatuses to get you higher and make you uh, work on your fall technique. So, Um, But then at the same time, uh, we had the weekends off, and I made some of the best friends in like two weeks' time. So um, that's something about the military that I always found really fascinating was just how quick uh, you can make friends and uh, – how quickly you have to make friends because you're always jumping from here to there. And like I said, that was just three weeks in the summer, uh, away from college. And um and yeah, by the end of by the third week, you're jumping out of a plane, a C one thirty, with uh with a rucksack on your legs, or Hollywood style they call it, where you don't have any equipment because Only in a Hollywood movie would you jump out of a plane like that. Yeah, you you (laughs) land, and you get all your equipment on
2: site. You land, you sneak up to one dude, you stealth kill him, Mm -hmm, and you just take his (laughs) gear, and you're set.
1: That's right. Make sure the exclamation point doesn't come up over his head. Uh What was that noise? Or a guy chewing a cigar rolls up with a Jeep, and he throws you all your things, (laughs) fastballs it. Um, Yeah. Yeah. But, so... By that point, that's when I realized why we were falling so often or doing these things over and over again. Because by the time you're in the plane, I, I was so scared and just panicking, but the body knew what it was doing. So I was like, right. all right, the brain's freaking out, but then everything else in my body knew what to do. I knew to hold the, my line out in front of me and then give, pass it off to the jump master and jump out. And then you're suddenly like, oh, I didn't think at all. It just happened. Mm-hmm. So the, so. You get bored and then you finally jump out of a plane and then you get to go back to college with your little airborne wings on and, uh, you know, being an example for the next crop of cadets. That so. guy knows how to fall good. <laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. I want to be just like him. You got the fall good badge.
0: Um, <laughs> keep luring you to high places and pushing <laughs> you down. It's a it's a party trick. Hey,
1: Brian, do that thing that you do. Yeah. Uh,
0: All right, hold my beer. Yes.
1: You put you
2: pull out your little badge and you put it on and you climb a ladder.
1: It doesn't work if I don't have the badge. Yeah. It starts right. to glow. But um but you know, so that so that was a great experience being 19 and then going back to college and just, you know, uh, going through the coursework and I eventually became the the commander of the cadet Command it was about forty of us, but I had two uh people to my left and right in my class that were prior service, actually, so they're in like their twenties and so while I had never done that job of being in command of a cadet corps, uh you know, I really relied on their experience and their expertise and and that's the big thing is um so we're saying a captain soon to be major officer, and right. then there's the enlisted side of the military, and so enlisted is you know um you can sign up out of high school you don't need a college degree and you're more uh the technical doer and uh, executor of tasks while the officer is more of a managerial position and so you take a lot of advisement and uh, so through my senior year i took a lot of advisement from these guys because they'd been around for you know for so long and right so much of my success in that role was just because i was listening a lot um and so, graduated in 2009 and proceeded to hop around for the next year. So, you, you, you graduate, you become a second lieutenant, and uh, they sent me to Fort Knox, Kentucky to teach cadets. Um, and I, I was only a uh, lieutenant for a couple weeks, and now I'm you know, teaching cadets uh, from the other side, if you will. So, wait, how, how old are you at this point? Twenty-one.
2: So, okay, so you're you're
1: 21,
2: and you've been you've now been going through this process for how long?
1: Two and a half years. So
2: two and a half years, and so they've now after two and a half years, uh, they've got you teaching people under you.
1: Yeah, and the the thing is, so like so right after airborne school, I went to another thing called leaders training course, and that's where I ended up doing some teaching that summer was. Uh, it's like a month-long program to introduce people to the military. So it's if you're unsure, it's like all right, go to this thing for a month, and we'll try to show you as much as we can about military service. To include the drill sergeant thing, like you know the Full Metal Jacket experience, if you will, mm. with people yelling at you, which <laughs> I think is great. And I I made sure I made sure to go to leaders training corps uh, course because officers don't get that treatment ever so it was like my last chance to get yelled at and smoked and for an hour for no reason i'm like that's great because uh because i think that's uh a lot of people get scared away from the military because they think it's that the whole time right right and it's not but (laughs) but uh and then also to understand where that energy comes from the whole yelling and like disciplining and if you just play along a little bit and uh, take it for what it is, where it's just, all right, they're trying to stress me out to see how I'll react. Because some people react by snitching on their friend or you know, getting their buddy in trouble versus them. It just, people do some really strange stuff when people yell at their faces. Well, so. and
2: certainly it would look a lot worse in a fictionalized scenario than it would in real life, I would assume, if only because most military scenarios like the one that you are describing when depicted in movies, your sort of point of focus character is somebody who's being willfully insubordinate. So it te- things will escalate and tend to go, I, uh, I would imagine, a good deal worse in that story than they would ordinarily for enlisted folks.
1: Yes. Uh, if you are able to remember, yes, drill sergeant, no drill sergeant, or just say drill sergeant before and after everything you say... It's gonna be okay. <laughs> so, um, so that was fun, and then be able to go back as a lieutenant because you know uh, when I was there as a cadet, I did see the the young officers who are on the other side of all this stuff, right. right? Um, and just go like, oh wow, like they're in the military, and I'm just like, I feel like I'm playing military, and so then you go out there, and and then it's al- already you're getting a little bit of that nostalgic uh feedback loop if you will where you go oh i was in your shoes two years ago and now i i'm a subject matter expert in your eyes <laughs> well i'm still you know trying to figure out everything that it, there is to being an officer but uh but i'm I'd,
2: so good at this look at me fall bro.
1: yes <laughs> that's all i did the whole time is when they uh, lieutenant do you have anything to add and i just fall just over <laughs> and everybody would clap at, yeah
2: at a certain point diminishing returns and they just start to go all right
1: all right. Nah, uh-huh. okay. exactly.
2: Thank 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 you sir. All
1: right. <laughs> yeah, well what I I did that whole summer was we had to clear the forest and make uh lanes for combat training. So, I had we had a fort that we made and so through every day we'd have cadets coming through with paintball guns and they'd have to take out the bunker. Okay. And so obviously after day 2, you know exactly what direction they're coming from and uh and basically just have to like quote fight them and then let them defeat you, and then they have to go through all their, like, operations uh, that are associated with taking out a bunker. So it was fun, and uh, that took me to August, and then I moved on to Fort uh, Leonard Wood. No, oh, I went to Fort Benning for Basic Officer Leader Course 2, another two months of training, this time with a bunch of other lieutenants, and they've since gotten rid of that course, but it was another chance to integrate um all of us different officers together under one umbrella of training. And uh, after that, moved on to Fort Leonardwood, Missouri to do engineer school. So I'm an engineer by trade in the military because I went to this four-month course and then subsequently uh, went to mechanized leaders course after that to learn how to shoot, move, and communicate where are known as Bradley Fighting Vehicles. They're like big tanks, but not really tanks. So um, That's
2: but- right. I remember uh, when you and I met and were first becoming friends and you were talking about army stuff i remember very specifically you talking about uh driving the the bradleys and also navigating and thinking wow how impressive he drives big things
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes and saying "Yeah, you know driver up and then uh call out commands to the gunner and shooting with a, a pro mask on or a gas mask on and trying to do those commands and this is what you sound like the whole time so um that's for what it's worth but uh but so that whole year was just, you know, training, 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 jumping around and only having my Mini Cooper. I had a Mini Cooper at the time. So you have to fit your whole life into your car if right. you're going to drive to and from these places. Uh, and I remember, remember bringing a printer along and making a lot of friends, having a printer at the, at these training sites. <laughs> so, uh, so if you're an aspiring officer or you're going to go to a training event, have a printer with a scanner on it, you'll make a lot of friends because uh, yeah, yes, exactly. <laughs> it's a very very simple thing to do but uh but that took me to april of 2010 and i ended up at fort riley kansas which is where i actually took charge of uh of a platoon of a infantry platoon the 118 infantry battalion um and while i was an engineer the my first job was an infantry platoon leader so one thing that infantry officers do, infantry are basically the ones who are in, saving Private Ryan or uh, Band of Brothers and stuff like that. They're the ones, the trigger pullers, if right. you will.
2: If you picture movie soldiers, that's movie pretty much soldiers. Yeah, yeah. what you're looking at.
1: Uh-huh. So but that was my first job because uh, apparently this this platoon didn't have a leader for 2 or 3 months and they're like all right who who's next who's coming that in it seems
2: like it would be a problem in the military oh yeah
1: Then that's why they had to go to the engineer school and like hey who who do you have that fits the bill it's like,
2: who's who's giving the orders today uh
1: you <laughs> oh okay <laughs> um they have a spinning wheel with everybody's <laughs> face on it yeah
0: is there a protocol for that like is it just like whoever has been there the longest or whoever's like next up is like, I guess I am in charge until they have a full-time leader or how does that work?
1: Yeah. So with, with that, when I say a platoon, a platoon is about 40 soldiers. And within that, you've got your different uh, subsets of leadership. So at the top, you've got the platoon leader and the platoon sergeant who is the senior enlisted person. So, you know, like the two different rails, if you you got your officers, you got enlisted, and so you have this uh, non-commissioned officer who's been in for maybe like 15 years, and part of their job is to advise this really young officer, because, you know, I, it's my first assignment in real army, and I've, I've been uh, in college and reading books on it, and so I think I know what I'm doing, but right. then that platoon sergeant shows up and polishes off your edges and goes, Sorry, that's not really how we do it. And You're like, actually dumb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Stuff like that, right, where you, you, you take your licks uh, behind closed doors because they're trying to train you for your next assignment so uh so that's who was in charge of the unit while they didn't have an officer and you know and and platoon sergeants are more than capable of you know of taking on those tasks but that's not really their wheelhouse it's not their uh their beans and bullets if you will so they're, they're taking care of making sure the soldiers have what they need and when they need it and then advising the officer hey uh sir like we have this issue. I think we need to adjust the plan. They're they're basically really trying to help out the officer make a proper decision. Right. So so that's what I was jumping into as a unit uh that was missing a leader. So while I wasn't an infantry officer, they just said, Hey, you're gonna do it um because you should be able to do it just fine. And uh did that for 11 months, uh six months in Fort Riley, Kansas, and then five months in Iraq. So my whole time with them was to train them up and get them ready for deployment. Right. And so You know, it was building up where we do small team drills, shoot, move, communicate all the way up to platoon live fire, which is, you know, shooting live rounds, moving, communicating with the radios, having a helicopter overhead. And that was all at Fort Polk, Louisiana, which is like walking through a bowl of soup. It was just like the grossest. I was the grossest person. (laughs) And on that whole training base, I swear to goodness. Um, Yeah, because I tried to uh, donate my body armor to. One of my uh, soldiers who, for some reason, didn't have his kit, I just said, hey, here you go. You can have mine. He said, no, sir, I'm not putting that on. That is stank, <laughs> sir. Yes, exactly. You, you uh, go wash that first. So, uh, But that was my first six months was getting ready for deployment. So then uh, we went out to Iraq in support of Operation New Dawn. And while I was out there, I switched over to an engineer platoon. So obviously they you know say, hey. You did a great job with your infantry platoon. Here's your second platoon, engineer platoon, uh, known as assault and obstacle platoon. So, um, engineers. Uh, sorry about at, yeah. at At this point, you're holding what rank? First lieutenant. First so, lieutenant. Yeah, about 18 months into my career. Uh, so that would be November, uh, right before we deployed, November of 2010. First lieutenant. So, your gold bar, the second lieutenant is a gold bar. And the idea is, oh, gold is a softer malleable metal so this is your time to be forged and you know to learn and uh, or they call it butter bar as well okay. because it kind of looks like a stick of butter so yeah you know, <laughs> it's it's all in terms of endearment and they call you lt and um really uh that's when you need to learn to have a personality and go okay got it like i'm a i'm brand new to the unit i've got all this responsibility but i gotta listen to everybody because everybody's been in longer than i have really right. so um so it's all fun and then you get promoted to first lieutenant and it becomes a black bar so it's a little more rigid and uh and you you should be more intelligent <laughs> at that point Hopefully. and yeah be able to look at you and, and uh have a little bit more of a, a decision making skills if you will so transitioned to uh my engineer platoon while uh, while overseas in Iraq and finished out the deployment doing route clearance activities and uh and basically doing patrols uh, within the compound that we were at, the old ministry of defense. And, uh, at this point in Iraq, it was 2010, 2011. So things were closing down. So that was a lot of our responsibilities was, just, okay. you know, like not doing too much. I will say that. Like, I remember trying to plan some big operation with, uh, my counterpart, Iraqi, uh, major. They were all about it. But then my boss said, no, we're not doing that. That's not, not what we're here for. Right. right. You know, so you get your directives from above, you know, line your messaging, So a lot of what we were doing was, you know, training and being ready for if anything did happen. And luckily for me, nothing really happened with my guys. We went out we responded to certain uh, actions, but everybody came back in one piece and I couldn't be happier. And uh, so that brings us to November of 2011. And that's when we came back to Kansas. And... uh, and I closed out. I had about three or four months with those engineers just to get them transitioned back into civilian life and back into uh what's known as basically reset. So mm. we got back from our mission. Woo, mission accomplished. Get ready for the next one. Right. So we just started training up again, validating teams, and uh and then I finished out my active duty time by jumping over to be a task force engineer, is what it's called. So you're basically the lead engineer at the battalion level. Battalion's about six hundred people. And so as a first lieutenant still i'd have to advise the commander who's been in for 20 years engineering stuff which i'm sure he knows way more than i do even but that's the that's basically what the military is you're always advising somebody who has been in you know 10 times longer than you but then they're like all right what do you what do you think about that lieutenant okay, yeah. I'll take about 50% of what you said and I'll refine it. Like, <laughs> And because yeah, that's, that's part of the, the train up is just letting you get out there and uh, get some egg on your face. Right. But, uh, but that included uh, our mission that we were getting ready for was we we're going to uh, Djibouti Africa. Okay. And uh, so it involved a national training center mission in Fort Irwin, California, which it's about a month of simulated combat, if you will. So, Uh, So that was the big capstone event for uh, my time as the task force engineer. So we'd be driving around doing laser tag as a brigade, you know, like thousands of soldiers. And uh, I'd have to tell the commander, hey, sir, I don't think we can breach that obstacle that you think we can breach because like four of our engineer vehicles are down with maintenance issues. But then the engineer commander who, uh, you know, actually, actually leading that charge would go. No, sir, we can do it. It's fine. Okay, <laughs> Roger that. <laughs> doctrinally I will I'll tell you what it doctrinally is and then, you know, if they can get it done, they can get it done. So uh so that is not the task force engineer position was not a leadership position. Didn't have any soldiers underneath me. So it was a very different um feeling to it. Yeah. And uh that that took me to the end of my four years of active duty and I transitioned to the reserve and went to public affairs. So uh to do that. Uh, you had to basically a year out, start planning ahead and tell the Army, big Army, hey, I don't want to be in anymore. I, Or else you'll just get your next orders and you can just go for 20 years and not make a fuss and they'll keep putting you in positions. Mm-hmm. So I had to ba- do a full stop and tell them, hey, I'm going to transition, reserve. I uh, had to find a unit out in uh, Los Angeles area that would take me in. Um, and then I'd have to find time to get certified as a public affairs specialist or public affairs officer, excuse me. And that took me to May 2013, and I met you uh, soon after, Lex. Me? Yeah, because they came out here to pursue acting. I'm and... really
2: glad that I figure into this narrative somewhere. Yes.
1: <laughs> to provide context to everybody who knows our relationship. It's a,
2: it's a military story that I feature in. <laughs> I feel I feel a hair more impressive than I did just moments ago.
1: Yeah, but... Uh, but... That's uh, the thing is, well, at that point, I was was a captain. So about three and a half years in, I got promoted to captain. So I rounded out my uh, active duty time as a young captain and then came out here, found a unit, and they just took me in and essentially let me be a broadcast officer. So I was a broadcast officer at what's known as a broadcast operations detachment, and it's basically TV and radio. So we had a TV station. We had a radio station. And we should be able to deploy to a studio, run it, manage it, and uh, tell the Army story from wherever we're broadcasting. So that was our main mission. And I did that for a year. And then I commanded the broadcast operations detachment from 2014 to 2016. So basically, answering for everything we do or did not do (laughs) during those past two years. We we would cover parades. We would uh, do a bi-yearly broadcast where we basically took all the small stories we collected over the six months and have a sit down you know the the two anchors basically like your morning news like hi i'm captain brian andrews and this is the southern california report for 222nd broadcast operations detachment so uh so you got to exercise all the systems the editing and live switching teleprompter operating lighting and green screen effects so uh it was really uh a great time and i learned a lot from our technicians and the other officers there because obviously again like public affairs officer but i didn't get trained up and certified until 2015 so mm. was just asking a lot of questions taking the advice of others right i had a, my best friend in the in the army reserve major matthew stern uh, was pivotal in that regard so um he was just by. Always had them next to me. The, that's the big thing in the military. You're never doing anything alone. Right. And if you are doing something alone, it's your fault <laughs> because you should have a battle buddy at least or somebody to advise you or that likes you enough to go, hey, sir, eh, think about it this way. And then you're like, oh, OK, Roger, appreciate that. So um, but then that takes me to 2016 and I've been with the unit I'm currently serving with the 79th Theater Sustainment Command for the past three years. And it is like the top of the top, if you will. It is a, what's known as a two-star command. So now we're talking general ranks. So you got one-star generals, two-star generals. So we have a two-star general in charge of this unit who it spans 19 states on the west coast. So um, basically at the top there. And that afforded me an opportunity to go to Africa just a few weeks ago, uh, Rwanda, and as well as Italy and to go to Italy in October
2: yeah so so you're yeah, you're going to Italy uh, in October as of this recording, just a few weeks out. Mm-hmm. What will your duties entail while you are stationed in Italy for a year?
1: While I'm in Italy, it sounds like I'm gonna be they have it down as plans. So the idea will be that I will plan for about four different training operations we have in Africa. Through the year, so there's always long-range planning and short-range planning, and I'll be on the long-range planning committees, most likely. So, uh, so they're already. While I was in Shared Accord, the operation I was on was Shared Accord 2019, and once that ended, the slide deck, the PowerPoint slide deck for the next year, had already started circulating. So, you know, they look out a whole year in advance for these things, and so that'll be part of my role is to be the public affairs voice during some of these planning sessions, because, you know, you can, people can get left behind or forgotten. And that's why you need to have uh, somebody in there for every role. And uh, so I'll be making sure that, you know, if there's any media operations or media days that we want to have scheduled during the operation, like, Hey, let's get the local media to show up for the opening ceremony so that they can let their, their publics know, and their people know that, Hey, there's an operation going on. It's a training mission. It's not a take over by the military or anything. So <laughs> right. uh, so that's basically the the role of public affairs is to inform uh, people who aren't in the military and don't know. So uh, so that's basically what I'll be doing is making sure we plan early, plan often, and then by the time the operation kicks off, everything public affairs related has been implemented and it's just going to be down to the officer on the ground to action everything.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um, if there was uh plan to take over would you also broadcast that as well
1: we yeah we would do that yeah and then we i'd have to you know say it in the nicest way possible like we are committed to the the safety and security of this nation therefore we are going to line your streets yes exactly so uh (laughs) it's (laughs) It's, (laughs) ill-advised that's where i would go to my commander and go sir this is going to be hard for me to to brief this doesn't brief well uh uh, I can't fit this into a tweet. I'm very sorry.
2: Doesn't say anything, just falls down, <laughs> yes,
1: <laughs> rolls out of the room. Best proper landing fall in the army, right there. Thank you, thank you. That's Captain. why you hold the rank you do, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so, so it, it's a lot of uh, a guessing, or uh, you have to ask those questions before your general gets asked the question because remember, uh, I was the public affairs officer for shared accord 2019. So I had to sit at the big desk with all the other majors and Lieutenant colonels who had to advise, advise and update the general. And partly what I had to do was say, what are the questions? What are people asking? What do people care about? So that when they ask him, when, you know, media outlets come up with their microphones and go, how many females are in the, your units or whatever, you know, like, cause that, that was a big hot topic that they wanted to know. They want to know, okay, you're preaching how, you know, female driven, uh, female focus operations, uh, how we're trying to get more females into the military. Well, then how many do you have? So that was a big one that I had to track down. Mm-hmm. That was, it was an easy one. Cause I had to just talk to the personnel person and say, like, Hey, how many uh, do we have on the ground? Great. I'll let the general know so that the next time he gets asked the question, it's like, here's the answer right here. And we have a women's panel we're doing, and we hope that you can show up there and, and be a part of that. So it's, right. it's a lot of just, uh, thinking about what questions would be asked and making sure that your general doesn't have egg on his face when it's asked.
0: Yeah. Um, are you, do they teach you Italian or are you going to have to like learn on your own?
1: I'll, I'll have to learn on my own. I, uh, I know that they do classes on post and, uh, and so far I was out there for five days and I did make a fool of myself already at a grocery store. You know, you you you're able to in, in the smallest way possible, I will say. I, I was getting some sort of dessert and I just walk up there. They start talking speaking Italian and I just stand there quietly. I think I said sorry. That's, that's <laughs> said. English sorry. So uh so that's something I'll have to have to do. And it's part of the cultural exchange program too. Like in Iraq I tried to learn a little bit of uh uh Oh, gosh. Is what is it, it not Farsi. Arabic, is, yeah. yeah Arabic. Arabic, yeah, pardon me. So uh, so just even the little bit, you know, salam alaikum, alaikum salam, shunik, shunik ziyan, kuli you're just like having a couple of things in your back pocket just to show that you care. So that was and that was another thing we were doing. We were uh, trying to learn some Kenya Rwandan while we were in Rwanda right. uh, and have the general say a couple phrases and sentences in his speeches because that's like really... Brought up uh, the spirits whenever you do that, sharing of culture stuff, right. so so yeah, I'll, I'll come back and I'll speak only Italian. I'll forget all of my English.
2: You have to completely relearn English mm-hmm.
1: drive up in a Vespa
2: so that that brings us current. Yeah. So this is your this is your next year. Um obviously you don't you don't know concretely, as none of us can know concretely what will happen years out. But where at this moment sitting here right now looking ahead to this year stationed in Italy that you've got now coming real soon, where in your mind do you go from there as far as your relationship with the military? Knowing, of course, any number of things can happen that may change the plan somewhere along the way.
1: Yeah, I think my plan right now, and obviously everything's uh, gelatinous and free-forming, and I don't really trust people who can answer that question clearly, right? Because there's so many factors. Uh, I'll meet people I don't know today, and I'll uh, I'll probably meet people at Africa Command, uh, Africom, in Germany. And so, you know, more gateways will open up. But my plan is to spend a year out there, active duty support, and then come back to Los Angeles and basically just recharge, reset, come back to uh, the 79th Theater Sustainment Command and and uh, perhaps be their public affairs officer, the command public affairs person. Uh, that remains to be seen. But that's the exciting part about the military is you can either... Uh, be a passive participant, if you will, in terms of your career progression. Like I literally, like I I said, when I was leaving active duty that I had to say full stop, I'm not, you know, I'm transitioning out. But even then I got orders uh, to go to my next school active duty side and that would have been six months. I was like, oh, geez. So it really, um, opportunities keep coming to you and you can obviously look out for them and find more, but that's, I'm excited because I know it's only a year and it's, it's something that I'm excited to do and excited for the new location and uh, be able to travel and see the world. And then I'll obviously go to Africa a few more times, but then I also have the opportunity to come back here. And if I want to take less time with the military, that's totally possible.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: um, I'll come back in a position of strength uh, in terms of, I think, you know, spirit as well as, you know, financially and, you know, anytime you're able to. Basically, get out of the town you're living in. I think is great for the psyche. So, yes.
0: Uh, Speaking of, you said that you you originally wanted to be stationed in uh, L.A. to pursue your acting career. So, like, how do you balance those two aspects?
1: Yeah. So, so far, I've been fortunate to have a leadership that's very supportive of that because there are a lot of people especially at the the broadcast operations detachment where I had soldiers who were cinematographers or they would uh jump on to gigs here and there and it is a balance act for sure. I know I did uh you know miss some opportunities cuz of military service but uh everything seemed to come around to my benefit. Like I remember I got cast in a USAA commercial that I auditioned for and I was very excited. Like, yay, you know, I'd, affirmation. Right. <laughs> I love this stuff. The military is really good about it, but in auditioning, not so much. Right. You never hear back. So, uh, so booked it, talked to my, uh, my boss and uh, they were concerned about you know, the left and right limits of the fact that, Oh, they cast you as a military person. Uh well, there's this weird gray area where we can't have captain Andrews endorsing something, but you know, you're playing a soldier. So ultimately we couldn't reach a conclusion and I had to miss out on that. But then ultimately I was able to audition and get a even bigger commercial through USAA. And that was no issue because I was in civilian clothes. So, so it's a, it's a personality thing. It's you person to person, uh, being a good leader so obviously whenever my soldiers came up to me and said hey sir i got this audition i understand it's last minute you don't know more than 24 hours out for most of this stuff so Mm -hmm. i obviously was like i got it you know i appreciate you letting me know as soon as you knew go do it um so there's that obviously you have to keep uh clean shave short hair so i'm sure i've missed out on a couple opportunities just because you know you, you don't look like thug number two, <laughs> so you don't have uh, extra hair and things like that. But so far, it's it's been good. And I'd say it's to my benefit to stay in the reserve while pursuing acting because, you know, it, a lot of the same qualities that make you good on a set are what make you good in the military. You know?
2: Yeah, that was something I wanted to ask you about specifically because you, in addition to all of the duties that you perform for the military, you do a lot of other creative jobs, right? Mm-hmm. You're a writer, a director, a producer, an actor, a musician. So I wanted to ask, I mean, do you clearly you, you just said you feel like there's an overlap in those skill sets. So could you sort of describe the way you feel like they overlap and how you've been able to take one set and use it and implement it for the other?
1: Yes. So with a uh, very basic uh, guidance early on in anybody's military career is right place, right time, right uniform. So you're there, you're there before you need to be there and you're in the right, you know, attire. So basically the right mindset too. And so obviously you can take that wherever you go and it's going to show like, Oh, this person cares. So that's very simple uh, guidance. And then just getting into that mindset of always being 10 minutes early to everything. But being a long-range planner, and as the task force engineer, I had to basically, I was in charge of the year-long calendar. It was this big, huge, sprawling, disgusting uh, Excel spreadsheet with all these different bars and everything, but it helped the commander visualize the whole year. And I know that through those meetings and hearing commanders talk to their subordinate commanders about training missions that were six weeks out and asking uh, if the fuel's laid on if the ammo's laid on who's in charge of that you know this person's going to this place to grab the ammo at this time and then they'll come to the range and the range will be opened by this person and we'll call range control there's all these little tiny details that can stop a huge operation so through all those meetings and through managing uh, the calendar and through having to plan my own operations you basically just swap the words out for, oh, uh, do we have the lights that we need? Do we have the stands that we need? Uh, who's our cinematographer? Who's our assistant director? You know, like just making sure everybody's laid on and you have all those small questions answered, or you know who to ask that uh, question to. So those are some of the things that I saw that translated really well. And going back to the left and right limits for being in the on the ground and in the rain, uh, you know, A Key Grip has their left and right limits. The cinematographer has their role. The best boy has their role. So um, so the first few days I was on set, I just realized, that, wow, the tempo is really fast because everybody has their purpose and their direction and their duty position, if you will. And that really helped me in terms of making my own productions and going, all right, who do I need? What can I take care of on my own? And for this person to do their job, what questions do I need to ask For them, like the big one being, hey, cinematographer, what camera do you have? What camera do you need? What lights do you need? Do you think we need this to get this kind of shot? Uh, So that really helped out. Uh, The military experience helped me uh, pull those things. And then to the other side of it, like uh, the creative or the, you know, the actor's uh, role on a set, I think, helped me on the military side, too, because while the military side's seemingly it's rigid it's structured there's a there's its own language there's lingo and uh going from that to a set where it's just a little bit more loose in terms of communication or uh having a bit of vulnerability there especially when you're performing but taking some of that with me to the military and having a more of a disarmed approach when i'm dealing with people i think that has really assisted me when i communicate to people in the military Uh, because everybody's ready for sir no sir yes sir blah 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 but if you communicate more humanely (laughs) right if you will or with a little bit of personality it uh, it brings it out of everybody else too which i i think it's been really cool to do that
0: okay nice you had mentioned that uh you did a commercial for the the air force um i know that this is going to be a real rudimentary question. Mm-hmm. I know that there are three branches of the military, <laughs> and I from context clues, I got that you are in the army branch.
1: Yeah, I think I did a um, terrible job prefacing who I am and like at the front end. We'll just have to dub that in. So, you, you what's, what's your question? Then? <laughs> Wait, who are you? No, I mean, let's I, start over. Everyone
0: who's not dumb like me <laughs> no. is like yeah he's obviously in the army no, i
2: said um, i said army up top i think
0: we can just do a terrible It doesn't dummy. matter <laughs> it's too uh, late we're, no. we're, we're nailing but this like, down now does that uh does that does, is there any kind of like conflict of interest uh when you're doing stuff representative of other branches is there i feel like um just from what uh, rumors and and what media would have me believe there is definitely like a rivalry between the the different branches, but like I don't know if that's true. So, uh- uh,
1: yeah, so there is a bit of uh, uh rivalry, but it's it's totally you know again what you make of it. Um, the, there's the army. You know, I'm in the army. There's the air force, which was born from the army. The army air corps. You have marines. You had navy and the coast guard. So yeah, there was so there's five uh, branches. And they all have their jokes, right? and uh, right. so, um, so the army is uh, we're the biggest branch, we're the largest one, so we usually get a lot of uh, the jokes in terms of our standards mm. or you know, making fun of things in that nature. Uh, the marines are the smallest. Uh, maybe coast guard's a little smaller. Uh, I could be wrong, but they're mostly just like we treat them like they're Neanderthals because they <laughs> still have the frontal assault, you know. But I know so so many great marines, and that's a part of the great thing about the military is the camaraderie piece. And like you know, I just remember being in uh, Iraq and just everybody everybody's a comedian out there, and and everybody's yeah. able to dish it out and take it in equal measure and that's that's part of the fun of it right is having some of those jokes you know and i was with a bunch of air force people at, at public affairs school and of course it, it it's so true they're usually the they get the jokes about how they're pampered mm-hmm. and their quality mm-hmm. of living is better because it is yeah. <laughs> so so like the the hotel i stayed on on post was uh, just the most basic like Here's your four walls and a roof. that's a hotel. Go to sleep, all right, got it <laughs> Roger that. And then the Air Force people were off post at a deluxe like four star hotel, and they had a uh, credit to go to the casino on Tuesday nights, like a20 dollar voucher or something. It was hilarious, and it just kept reinforcing those jokes so uh, but you know, but they were my best friends while I was there. was yeah. the Air Force people, uh, just because you know, those were the best people out there, and then the Navy, uh anything nautical <laughs> right. anything about that uh and then coast guard is just the fact that they're usually the forgotten branch just because right. they have their very small very uh, uh direct mission um uh, i i'm doing this with my hands <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but you know they guard the coast for x miles out and they do a very important work for them and my i have a cousin who's in the coast guard but, but yeah so the rivalry is there just to to spice things up and make right. it fun right and uh and it is a lot of fun I mean, yeah, those
0: kind of things will always crop up. Uh, do you, how often do you get to do inter-branch operations?
1: Well, with public affairs, uh, I've been able to do that a fair amount because there's such it's such a small world. Public affairs, most people don't even know what it is, uh, especially even in the military. Uh, so, while I I went to public affairs qualification course at Fort Meade, Maryland, and that had every branch in it, so we were all joint, you know, all together. And so in Rwanda, I had uh, an airman, and I had a a naval uh, petty officer, there we go, the the ranks are all different too. So, so that was an opportunity, I was able to work uh, across the branches of the military. And uh, I'll continue to do so just because it's such a small person to person, project to project uh, area but then in terms of if you're in an infantry unit or engineer engineer unit it happens much less just because you have to go to really high echelon to have people concerned about you know naval operations if they're in the infantry sort of thing right so it so in the past few years that's been all of my working with air force or navy i never did active duty
0: okay yeah um this is this uh, is, question is based on my knowledge that I gained from Major Pain. but um, <laughs> The documentary if, Major yes, Pain. Yes, the documentary <laughs> Major Pain. Which
2: we, which we have uh, talked about on the show before we can go back uh, wherever fine podcasts can be listened to <laughs> and listen to us talk about Major Pain. Excellent yes. plug.
0: Um, so does it uh, truly help you take the mind off your pain if someone were to come up and break your finger?
1: You know, I've only had to do that twice, uh, but I will say, yes, it, it works out just well. Um, you know, I've, I've luckily never broken a bone, <laughs> as, especially in military service. I'd say the worst. I've got a couple great scars on my fingers from airborne school and from uh, Bradley uh, mechanized leaders course, I will say. So um, I've been very fortunate. And the worst wound I got when I was deployed was on the last week. I went to go grab a soft drink out of a uh one of those stand-up uh coolers and I rubbed my finger against a piece of metal and it opened up my finger and I, I bled and it was so all that to say I had a very safe deployment <laughs> and I have a great scar and pe- and I always start off with, Well, I was in Iraq and people go, Oh no. It's like, No. It's, <laughs> it's not that story, thankfully. So Yeah.
0: And when you can when you uh cut your finger a guy came up and was like, "You want me to help you take your mind off of that finger?"
1: It's like, "Oh, what are you doing here, You're like, sir?" Tari, yeah. <laughs> but you outrank me, so I stuck to the common courtesies. Yes, uh. Uh,
2: but so okay, so uh, obviously we we talk about media on this show a great deal, and uh, obviously we are all uh, big uh, connoisseurs of. Uh, film and TV, you, uh, Tari, you brought up Major Pain a second ago, but uh, I guess the, the question that I, Brian, I want to ask you, because there are so very many uh, movies and TV shows that are about war, about the military, many of which are heavily fictionalized and don't necessarily reflect what what a military operation in that scenario may actually look like. Off the top of your head, is there one, whether it's a, a movie or a TV show, that depicts military procedure that made you go, oh, wow, this is actually pretty accurate?
1: Well, I'd say the uh, the series, like uh, Band of Brothers and The Pacific are probably my favorite just because, it, you know, trying to truncate everything into two hours is always tough. Right. Because – you, know, you have to get all your character stuff done, especially for a war film. You do it as quickly as possible to get to that big action second act. Uh, so then you have your archetypes. You have your people who basically have three lines to tell you: "I'm the jerk in the unit," and so, <laughs> "I'm the two good, I'm goody two shoes that's going to get shot really early on." So you know, somebody else has to be in charge, sort of thing. So uh, Band of Brothers in the Pacific were ones that I enjoyed immensely because you were able, you had enough time to essentially have some uh, morality issues or questions between people and so you're able to develop relationships a little deeper and I think that's the biggest thing for me with the military is just the fact that it is it it's people like military people are are just like human beings you know it's it's a crazy thing so any chance that I got to watch longer form stories like that or there was generation kill and uh, the more contemporary, but you know those those series I think are the best ones in terms of capturing the life uh, of a soldier or service member, and obviously Full Metal Jacket, that it is very accurate. The first you know the first half uh, in the training environment. Uh, remember my dad had us watch that before my brother had to go to that leader training course and just like, yep, this is what drill sergeants do. So don't be surprised when they have all these. You know, they actually have these things memorized and they can roll through them that easily. So those uh, are my favorite. I remember seeing Hurt Locker mm-hmm. and being uh, so turned off by it. Oh yeah, because like obviously the I think the aesthetic is great and the and EOD is was very much is very topical for Iraq and Afghanistan. That's, that's the new, that was the new piece of warfare, if you will, was the right. improvised explosive device. So obviously you want to capture that, but you know, was like backdraft. It was a rogue agent from, uh, driving around without any security. And then you'd like have the comedy shot of the whole platoon stuck in an alley because they're scared. So there's a couple of things that made my eye roll. But the, the best part of that film for me was the last scene where he's talking to his daughter and, you know, it's saying you love thousands of things because you're so young, but by the time you're my age, you may love two or three and, and maybe they like something along those lines I and maybe, then uh, hard cut this. to him back in Iraq day one. And I knew people who were like that, who preferred the deployed life because it is a little simpler. You don't have to mow the lawn. You don't have to pay the bills and you have that purpose and direction that I was really attracted to when I first joined and then you come back from Iraq, and then suddenly you're not in charge of everything. Right. And yeah, you know, uh, if if the bouncer wants to kick you out of the club, they can kick you out of the club, because right. like. But I I served in Iraq. Look at me fall down. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Do I have to PLF right now? So, um, so yeah, uh, that the, I haven't seen a lot of the newer films that are about the military, but um,
2: I just remember uh, this was years ago now but uh you and i were at uh, a bar that we frequent in north hollywood called the fat dog it's ah, on magnolia it's yes. a great spot uh but they have you know tvs above the bar and i remember very clearly one of the tvs had on uh the incredible hulk the louis leterrier the one with ed norton mm-hmm. and it was a scene there was no audio and it was a scene where i think it was tim roth and and william hurt and the military guys are on a plane and I, maybe you caught my eye because I looked up and I was like, oh, it's a it's a movie with a based on a comic book. I feel safer now. And you looked up at the screen and with no audio whatsoever. I don't even know if you knew what movie it was. You went, oh, that's
1: wrong. Yeah. I was like, how did you do that? <laughs> well, that is a thing about uh, films. I think they've gotten a lot better in terms of the aesthetic. Right. So. um some of the first things you learn in the military is how to look like you're in the military. Wear a uniform like this. Your uniform has this patch here, this, this name tape here. Uh, you need to form your beret this way. So, um, that's the thing about working in TV and film with military experience. There's a lot of veterans out here in, in Hollywood and there's a big community. There's uh veterans in media and entertainment. That's another good plug, uh, that they're an organization of people that you have had to have served in the military. To join it, and there's been a lot of great outreach through this program to basically bridge that gap because uh, it's very difficult for some veterans to come back and to transition to civilian life because it's it is just like uh, this whole different society, the military society. You can you can shop on post, you can see movies on post, you can uh, do everything. On a military installation, so you don 't even need to really know the the city outside of your post, so to to com, come out and then obviously to come out to this town, which is very much connections and very uh, fluid and there 's not a clear trajectory to come out here and have your veteran uh, military status uh, is important because you 're able to go on some of these sets and and make these corrections on the spot. Mm-hmm. I was on General Hospital one day, and there was a funeral. Uh, happening. And there was a gentleman who had been uh prior service and he had done a fair amount of funeral details. And so he was able to just jump in and help them out with, how uh, this is how you fold the flag. And I was part of the color guard. So, you know, I, I had done color guard before, but learning how to, you know, fire the rifle, how to stand at attention and at ease and make sure that it looked correct so that other military people don't go up, oh, this is fake. They don't care. Right. They just don't care about getting it right. And, uh, there was a show called Colony where they gave us berets that we had to wear. And uh, they just, you know, here you go. and it, 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 You look like a chef because <laughs> it yeah. hasn't been formed or anything. Mm. So I was on that show with a couple other veterans. And we went, hey, do you guys got any, any razor blades? And they're like, Why? Like, well, we got to shave these down. We got to shave them and wet them and like try to form them in the next three hours. So. Uh, so that, that was something we were able to do on the spot to correct it and make sure that uh, we looked right. Because truthfully, a lot of people don't know or they don't know how to know either. They don't know right. what resources are out there to go, hey, uh, I bought this uniform online and on Amazon they had it looking this way. So I guess we're just going to wear it like that too. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, But so far, it's been really cool having my experience and being able to get on these sets and then just go, hey. This is how we do it. And everybody's super receptive, at least from what I've worked with. Yeah,
0: Awesome. Yeah. Um, well, guys, we are out of time.
1: Boo. That I know. Brian guy talked too long. <laughs> he didn't fall down for us once.
0: <laughs> um, but he is holding a bazooka, so I think he's doing falling down.
1: Ah, <laughs> uh, I love that movie. It's fun.
0: <laughs> Um, But no, seriously, thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing your story with us.
1: Well, thank you for asking me about it, because that was one thing. That's one thing about every uh, Veterans Day is... Uh, I was able to speak at a school last year and we were trying to, my brother and I, we were the youngest people and so we tried to talk about our experience uh, with these kids who were, you know, maybe a generation bef- uh, after us sort of thing. But then it was all capped off with a Vietnam veteran who made the point of just saying, ask the question. You know, if you're, if you're going to do one thing today on Veterans Day, ask uh, somebody about their experience you know, and let them tell, tell them however they want to because a lot of veterans have uh, trouble uh, sharing their stories so yeah. thanks for letting me share mine
2: yeah it was a pleasure and now see all you have to do next time you go talk to a school about your experience just hook up your phone to a bluetooth speaker look up missing out on the podcast app and hit play and you just get to sit you just get to sit for an hour and have
1: a coffee something like that yeah kick my feet up put an umbrella in my little drink yeah mm-hmm. be great. and every so
0: often you could be like that's true <laughs> Oh, I did do that. Yeah. Ah, yeah. That was a great point that I made.
2: Ah, yes. <laughs> uh, wasn't that joke funny, kids? Yes.
0: Uh so Brian, where can people find you after this? You can find me in Vicenza, Italy,
1: but <laughs> I'll be I'm on Instagram at Bandries. It's B-A-N-D-R-I-E-S. And that is my social media platform of choice.
0: Excellent. Um uh I know that you've uh, done a couple videos with our friend Lex here. You our recently friend. had
2: our, fr- yes, our yes, our yes. friend it's and frequent, frequent contributor. contributor. It's my <laughs>
0: friend and the friend of the audience, <laughs> yeah, butt poop. Um, but uh, yeah, you guys uh, recently had a video come out. Um, that was a really fun parody of
1: uh, Cotton Eye Joe.
2: Yeah, Cotton Eye Joe is like a, a David Fincher-esque uh, murder drama.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. With a psychological twist to it. So that that's on YouTube and uh, on Facebook. But yeah, on YouTube, if you type in Cotton Eye Joe parody, it should pop up right up or Brian Andrews, uh, a mixture of those, and you can give it a watch. It's about six minutes long, uh, so you can get in and get out and, uh, you know, let you th- think about it for, for days to come. Yes. yes.
2: And uh, we, got, we got another one that's coming out that's based on All Star by Smash Mouth, mm-hmm. which was so, a lot of fun to do. And, and that'll be out soon, same places. Absolutely.
0: Awesome. Uh, Lex, what about you? Where can people find you?
2: Uh, I am on Twitter and Instagram at the Lex Michael
0: awesome you can find me at tari j t-a-r-i-j-a-y that's instagram and twitter um but most importantly you can find this podcast at missing outcast m-i-s-s-i-n-g-o-u-t-c-a-s-t that's on instagram and twitter as well uh you can also find us on all major podcast platforms so if you are on one that you currently don't like, feel free to switch over. We're on iTunes, Google Play Store, Stitcher, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. Um, while you're there, make sure to leave us a uh, rating or a review, a comment, um, anything just to show that you love the show because um, it helps us get higher in the charts helps other people find us because as we all know the greatest form of advertising advertising i was gonna say marketing
2: oh i but yes that too
0: the greatest form of marketing advertising is word of mouth uh so make sure that you leave those if you have a chance um and thanks again for joining us Thank you again, Brian. This has been really fun.
1: Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure.
0: Awesome. And until we see you next time, this has been the retrospective that's introspective.
2: And now you have a new perspective. Yeah. And, and I, I want to learn how to fall down like that. That's go- I OK. Be a, I want to well, be a master fall down guy.
1: We're going to do that right after this. And,
2: and that's how Lex became a major in a day. <laughs> that's the secret.